You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. I like it. Hey, uh, if you don't know me, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. Man, I'm so grateful uh, and excited to be standing up here with y'all, opening up God's Word with y'all this morning. Grateful to Pastor Josh for sharing this platform with me. Uh, but I do want to say right up front uh, that just because I am standing up here, it doesn't mean that that I'm not a broken sinner like everyone else in this room is. I definitely am. Uh, but I also have the Holy Spirit of God uh, living in me. And my prayer has been the last few weeks that God, you know, please let your spirit do the spirit speaking through me. Let your holy word guide me because the only way that y'all are going to receive anything good or life changing or maybe even maybe even eternity changing for some of y'all in here this morning is if God is the one who does the speaking, not, not Brandon. Uh, well, hey, I have a question. Uh, does anybody grow up in a redneck family? Raise your hands. <clears throat> Come on, Crossville. Y'all can be honest. I know there's a lot of more hands that should be up. Uh, I grew up in a redneck family too. And uh, one of the things you learn early on in a redneck family is how to deer hunt. Uh, and uh, my family, uh, deer hunts and trees stands. Uh, and we use these things called climber tree stands. And if you don't know, uh, climber tree stands are two pieces. Um, one piece that goes on your feet and one piece that you sit on. And both pieces have these spikes that stick into the tree. And so the idea is uh, you stick the, the, the piece that's on your foot into the tree really good, stand up, and then you lift the seat part up. And then you sit in the seat and get the seat in the tree really good, sit down, and then pull the feet up and, and just climb up the tree that way. It's actually really dangerous. And a lot of people have gotten seriously uh, hurt from doing this, uh, but when you grew, I've grew up, I've grown up doing it, and I remember one morning I just got a little too comfortable. You know, I, I got up really early to go deer hunting. I was kind of tired. I was like, man, I've been doing this my whole life. I know what I'm doing, and and, and I kind of became became numb to the dangers of using this this kind of tree stand. And uh, I remember that morning I was just kind of zooming up this tree, not really paying attention, tired and comfortable. Uh, bad combo when you're doing something dangerous. And so uh, I went to go put the bottom piece into the tree, but I didn't make sure that the spikes were all the way in the tree. And so when I stood up on the bottom piece, the bottom piece fell out and so did I. And so I just grabbed on, I just remember bear hugging this this tree and just shimmying up to the seat. And and when I finally made it back to the seat, I I promise y'all, I I wasn't tired anymore. Okay. I wasn't, wasn't comfortable anymore. Uh, And and the point is I, I got too comfortable doing something that was really dangerous. Uh, and it almost got me killed. Y'all, I, I think sometimes we may get a little too comfortable with this whole following Jesus thing. And we need to wake up to the reality that what we are doing is really, really dangerous. We're in the last week of a series that we've been in called Battle Ready. And the goal of this series has been to wake ourselves up to the dangers of the Christian life, to wake ourselves up to the reality that there really is a spiritual realm that really does exist all around us and that there really is a real spiritual battle going on around us that we cannot see with our eyes and that we have a very real uh, powerful enemy who the Bible calls the devil. That is why the Christian life is dangerous. Now, don't get me wrong. The Christian life is the only way that you're going to find real meaning and real joy and satisfaction in life. And it's the only way that you're going to spend eternity in a place the Bible calls heaven, but it's not easy. It's a battle, and it's dangerous because, again, we have a, a real spiritual enemy called the devil, and he wages war against you and me every single day. The devil is real, y'all. The devil is 
real. Like, can we just go ahead and get that out, out of the way? I know some of y'all might be thinking, come on, Brandon, it's 2023 and you still believe in the devil. You can tell me the Easter bunny is real too. Y'all listen, I am telling you, the devil is real. The Bible tells us that the devil kind of gives us this vague backstory on the devil and kind of vaguely tells us that the devil was a real angel uh, who God created that was full of pride. And at one point he wanted to be worshiped like God was worshiped. And so it sounds like he tried to kind of rise up against God, kind of like a mutiny. And of course he was no match for God. God shut him down. And ever since then, his days have been numbered. Uh, God has put an expiration date on the devil, so to speak. So he hates God and he hates us because God loves us. The devil is real. But here's the thing. The devil doesn't want you to know that he's real. Uh, the devil wants you to think that he's a fairy tale. The devil wants you to be sitting in your seat right now thinking, man, this Brandon guy, a few fries short of a Happy Meal up there trying to make me think that the devil is, it, it actually exists. That's what he wants you to think. There's an old movie uh, called The Usual Suspects, and the bad guy at the end of the movie has this great quote. It's always stuck with me. He said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he did not exist. That's so true, because y'all, if you don't believe the devil exists, if you don't believe the devil's real, you will not be battle ready. You won't be ready to defend yourself and your calling and your family, your wife, your husband, your kids against his attacks, and he will attack you because the devil is your enemy. He is real and he is your enemy. He is not God's enemy. He is your enemy. He is my enemy. A lot of people think God and the devil are enemies. That's not true. <clears throat> God could squash the devil like a bug. And in fact, the Bible says God will squash the devil like a bug one day. But for now, God allows the devil to, to roam around the earth like a roaring lion seeking people to devour. And God allows the devil to have power and authority in this world that, that we live in. I believe that God even uses the devil to test people and to strengthen people's faith. So the devil is not God's enemy. The devil is more like God's pet, but he is our enemy. He is our enemy, and he works against us every single day. And he doesn't work alone. Um, <clears throat> the devil can't be everywhere at once like God can be, but he does have helpers. He has assistants who the Bible calls, refers to as demons. Uh, the Bible implies that demons are also angels created by God that also tried to rise up against God with the devil and, and failed. So we've got a real spiritual enemy, the devil and his demons, and they hate God and they, and they hate us. And I believe, and I'm talking to the people in here who, who really follow Jesus, I believe that, that their main goal is to make those of us in this room who really follow Jesus as ineffective for the kingdom of God as possible. I believe that's their main goal. In other words, if the kingdom of God were a basketball game, uh, I, I think their goal is to keep you on the bench. And in order to keep you on the bench, they will attack you. They attack us. And most of the time, they don't attack us in these big, obvious ways. Sometimes they do. But, but most of the time, what I've, what I've noticed is they attack us in these sneaky little ways, little ways that don't make it obvious that they exist, but just big enough to where it gets us off track. For example, you know, they'll put little temptations in front of us. You know, you know, you're scrolling through Facebook, guys, and this ad pops up, or you see this picture, and it triggers something in your head. And before you know it, you're on that website that you promised God you'd never go to again. You know, or, or maybe you got a husband, but you get that Facebook message from that old high school boyfriend. Hey, how you doing? Looking good. Winky face emoji, you know. They try to get us to sin. And, and when we do sin, 
Uh, they try their best to make us live in guilt and shame over that sin. They try to keep us from repenting from our sin and, and moving forward. They try to make us forget the truth of the gospel, that, that Jesus has already forgiven us of our sins, the sins that we committed 10 years ago, the sins that we committed 10 minutes ago, the sins that we'll commit 10 minutes from now, and the sins that we'll commit 10 years from now. That's the power of the gospel. But the enemy tries to make us forget that we've been forgiven, and they try to hold us back from our future by making us live in our past. Uh, y'all Tennessee football fans in here, y'all know all about living in the past, don't you? Uh, but <clears throat> like uh, no matter what I say, for example, like no matter what I say about uh, my Georgia Bulldogs, y'all always talk about that stupid Hail Mary pass way back in 2016. And y'all two Tennessee fans, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. When y'all just barely beat Georgia. Like I can say anything, you know, I can say, well, you know, in 2017, Georgia beat Tennessee 41 to zero. And y'all be like, well, yeah, but what about that Hail Mary pass back in 2016 though, you know? I can say, well, you know, Tennessee hasn't beaten Georgia in the past six years. And y'all say, what about that Hail Mary pass back in 2016, though? That's how the devil works too, y'all. He loves to keep people living in the past. God's like, hey, I want to use you. I want to use your life. I want to give your life more meaning and purpose than you ever thought possible. I want to use you in mighty ways. But the enemy gets in your head and says, yeah, but what about that porn you watched, you know? What about the fact that you and your boyfriend had sex before y'all were married? God's like, hey, I want you to start serving in your church. I want you to start sharing the gospel with people in your class, in your, uh, in, in your office. But the enemy's like, yeah, but what about that divorce you went through? What about that affair? What about the fact that you went to prison? What about that addiction that, that you had? The devil wants you to live in your past to keep you from your future, to keep you ineffective for the kingdom of God. He attacks us in little ways like that. Also, the devil and his demons can make us sick. You know, they can cause big sicknesses. They can cause little annoying colds. They can cause uh, minor inconveniences in our day that make us <clears throat> just frustrated enough to take our eyes off of our calling, to take our eyes off of Jesus. You know, flat tires, dead car batteries, coffee spills, you know, babies not sleeping through the night. The devil and his demons orchestrate tension and arguments between husbands and wives. They love that. They create uh, fights between parents and kids. Man, they love to create disunity in the body of Christ between brothers and sisters of Christ. And most of the time, it's over dumb little stuff. In fact, if, if you probably, if you study, I'm not, I don't know for sure, but if you studied like most church splits, you'd probably get to the root of it. And the, the issue is probably something really stupid, like the color of the carpets. Like we split ways because of the color of the carpets or the amount of uh, urinals, you know, in, in, the, ba- in the men's bath room, you know, just stupid stuff. And when it doesn't make sense like that, I think it's usually spiritual because the devil loves to create disunity uh, in the body of Christ. The devil loves when someone leaves a church and breaks fellowship with another believer, with a brother or sister for a dumb reason. Now listen, the devil and his demons are not behind everything. Okay, I want to make that clear. I'm not saying that they are. Sometimes car batteries die because, you know, we left the car door open. Sometimes we sin and we're tempted to sin because of the stupid situations that we put ourselves in. Sometimes we get sick because of this crazy Crossville, Tennessee weather. There is not a demon behind every tree, but I've been following Jesus long enough and I've been in this battle long enough to tell you that these are little ways that our enemy does work against us. Little ways that don't make it obvious that he exists, but just big enough to where it gets us off track. So they will do, our enemy will do whatever they can do to make us ineffective for the kingdom of God. They know you, they study you, they know your weaknesses, and they will attack you in these little ways to make you ineffective. Whatever they can do to keep you on the bench instead of the court, they will do. Now, one day, you will be in a new perfect world with a new perfect body if you put your faith in Jesus where there will be no devil, there will be no demons, so there will be no spiritual warfare, so there will be no sin, so there will be no death or pain or struggle ever again. But for now, 
While you're on this earth, you are living in a war zone. You're in a battle. And you have to understand that. You have to wake up to the reality that the Christian life following Jesus is dangerous. And if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are putting a big, big target on your back for the enemy. But not only has this series, not only have one of our main goals in this series been to try to wake you up to the dangers, we, another one of our goals in this series has been to, to wake us up to the reality that, that you're not defenseless. You're not defenseless against the attacks of the enemy. You can defend yourself, you can defend your family against the attacks of the enemy. And you can even fight back against him. You can defend your, yourself, your life, your family from the enemy, and you can fight back against him, him and his demons, with something the Bible calls the armor of God, which is what we've been studying in this series. Let me read you the passage that we've been reading from in this series. This is a little eight-verse uh, passage that this guy named Paul uh, wrote to a church in a city called Ephesus. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation of your hel- as your helmet and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now you can go back on our YouTube page and watch all those different sermons that we did for this series. We took each different uh, part of the armor of God that Paul mentions here and we talked about what they uh, mean. Uh, but today we're gonna talk about the last thing that Paul says about spiritual warfare in this passage. Uh, Ephesians six eighteen. the next verse. Paul says, pray, pray, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Paul closes this passage about spiritual warfare by talking about prayer. And so we're going to close this series about spiritual warfare by talking about prayer. Y'all, the devil, your enemy, absolutely hates prayer. He hates when you pray. And I think there are three main reasons why the devil hates prayer. And I'm going to talk about these before we get into our verse. First of all, the first reason why I think the devil hates prayer is because prayer keeps your relationship with God fresh and active. Prayer is what keeps your relationship with God fresh and active. And the devil does not want you to have a fresh and active relationship with God. He wants your relationship with God to feel dead, to feel stale, to feel boring, to feel meaningless, because if our relationship with God is suffering, so so will our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. And the devil knows that if you don't have a healthy prayer life, listen, y'all, that is 100% what your relationship with God will be like. Boring, stale, it'll feel dead, it'll feel meaningless, and you will be ineffective. Prayer is what keeps your relationship with God fresh and active. Because what kind of relationship can you have with someone that you don't talk to? Um, I was a I'm a youth. I'm the youth pastor here, and uh, I, I try to talk to the teenagers <clears throat> in a way that they can relate to. And uh, the the language of middle school and and high schoolers right now is relationships. They're all about relationships. Uh, I, I, when I would lead a middle school boy small group every week, a prayer request from one of those little boys was, "Please, please let God give me a girlfriend." You know, like they're always thinking about uh, boyfriends and girlfriends. And so I try to I try to make this point to them, and I talk to them in their language. And so I tell them about my first relationship, uh, which was about fourth or, or fifth grade. And all I remember about this girl was her name was, her name was Jennifer. And, uh, 
this, I remember I wrote Jennifer a little note in class one day, like, hey, will you be my girlfriend and check yes or no? And she checked yes. And then she gave me her house phone number. Y'all remember house phones? Those were cool. Uh, the, for teenagers in here, let me give you something to have nightmares about. So there was like one line in your house and there were multiple phones. So uh, anyone could pick up the phone at any place in the house and listen in on your conversation with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, and your friends. That sounds terrifying, doesn't it? Yeah. Some of y'all need uh, a house phone these days, right? But, uh, I got Jennifer's house phone number. I remember this was the extent of our relationship, y'all. I would call Jennifer and, uh, you know, it would ring, and then her dad would pick up, and he'd say, hello, and I would be like, uh, is uh, J- 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 Jennifer there? And he'd be like, yeah, just a second. And he'd go, you know, grab Jennifer, and Jennifer would answer the phone, hello, and I'd be like, hello, uh, and she'd be like, hey, and I'd be like, hey. And, and this, this is how the rest of the conversation went. Just for about 45 minutes of, of silence. And then at the end, she'd be like, okay, I got to go. And I'd be like, okay, bye, I'll call you tomorrow. And I don't even think we, uh, I don't even think we broke up. We just stopped calling each other. I don't even know how, how that works. But we did not... We did not have any kind of relationship. It wasn't real. It, it, there was no relationship. And, and, and my fear is, I think a lot of us, and I know this has been true for me at times in my life, is that's kind of what our relationship with God feels like sometimes because we're not communicating with him. You know, you can't have a fresh and active relationship with someone that you don't communicate with. If you're not communicating with God, if you're not talking to God regularly, you cannot have a fresh and active relationship with God. You just can't. So if you feel like right now, if you're in here and you feel like your relationship with God is boring, if you feel like your relationship with God is stale and dull, uh, here, here's some advice. Pray more. Pray. Make prayer a priority. Because prayer is what keeps your relationship with God fresh and active. And the devil hates prayer because he knows that. Secondly, the second reason I think the devil hates prayer is because uh, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Now, now we may forget that sometimes, but the devil, he, he's been around for a long time, and he knows that prayer is powerful. He does not forget that. Uh, y'all, just think about it for a second. Uh, really try to think about it, okay? Um, when we pray, we are talking to the one who formed the mountains, right? We're talking to the one who dug out the oceans. You know, we're talking to the one who can calm the fiercest hurricane storm with a word. We're talking to the one who breathes out human life and can take it right back whenever he he wants. That's who we're talking to when we pray. When we pray, we're talking to the one who hand-made planet Earth. Has anyone in here ever seen every part? Have you been to every part of Earth? Anyone in here? No one? No, you haven't because it's impossible, right? The reality is the earth is so massive, so incredibly huge, that it is impossible for one person to see every part of it. And when we pray, we're talking to the one who created that. And he made it in a day, by the way. The city of Crossville can't even make a one-mile stretch of road in over a year, but God created planet earth in a day. And by the way, by the way, on that same day, He created the entire universe. On the same day, he created the entire universe. Listen to how he did it. This is Psalm 33, 6. I love this verse. It says, the Lord merely spoke. He merely spoke in the heavens. The universe was created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. And one day, God created all the planets, not just Earth, but all the planets. Even my boy Pluto, that was a planet back in my day. He's not a planet anymore, RIP Pluto, but he created Pluto, all the planets one day and all the stars, which means that he created the, the, the sun on that day too. And we pray, we're talking to the one who merely spoke and the sun was born. 
Now, I don't know if you know this, but the sun is incredibly huge. Uh, it's way bigger than Earth. The sun is so big, y'all, that it would take 1.3 million planet Earths to fill it. 1.3 million. Here's a picture of the sun compared to Earth. Um, that little blue dot over there, that's Earth. Can y'all see yourself on there? That's me and you. Uh, and, and, and that's what planet Earth is like compared to the sun. That little tiny dot that we see in the sky can fit 1.3 million planet Earths inside of it. Y'all, that, the person who, the being who spoke and that was born, that is who we talk to when we pray. And the sun, is, the sun is not even close to being the, the, the largest star out there. The largest star that we know of is a star called UY Scuti, S-C-U-T-I. I don't know who's in charge of naming stars, but they should be fired because Scuti is not an appropriate name for this incredibly massive uh, star. This is a picture of UY Scuti compared to the sun. Not the earth, but the sun. And I love how it says one pixel. Like you can't even see the sun on this picture compared to just a fraction uh, of UY Scooty. Incredible. Y'all, it would take six quadrillion, 489 trillion planet Earths to fill up UY Scooty. I don't know uh, uh, it, what a quadrillion is. Uh, it's, if, I, I think it's the number one followed by about 15 zeros, and, but after about four zeros, that's when I get lost. But, so it's a pretty big number, but you could fit six quadrillion, 489 trillion planet Earth's inside of UI Scooty. There's really no way to truly understand how large of a number that is, but, but I'll say this. If you wanted to count to 6 quadrillion, 489 trillion, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, as fast as you possibly could, it would take you roughly about 216 million years to count that high, just to count to 6 quadrillion, 489 trillion. That's how many planet Earth's can fit into this star. When we pray, we're talking to the one who just breathed that out. Prayer is powerful, y'all. Prayer is powerful because when we pray, we're talking to the most powerful being in existence with power that our brains cannot comprehend. Prayer is powerful. I've seen prayer do powerful things. I've seen prayer uh, heal people of things that doctors said would suffer with. Uh, doctors said these people would suffer with these things their, their whole life. I've seen uh, prayers make women pregnant who doctors said would never, ever be able to get pregnant. I've seen prayer uh, remove cancer uh, from people that, that doctors said was going to kill them in a matter of weeks. I've seen people survive massive heart attacks that doctors have no clue how they survive, but I do because of prayer. I've seen prayer do things. I just, I, I honestly, I can't explain. I've been following Jesus long enough to see those things. And if you've been following Jesus long enough, you've probably seen those things, those kind of things too. I've seen prayer turn the worst sinners I know into pastors and leaders and, and, and servants of Christ, me especially. Prayer is powerful. Uh, Billy Sunday, uh, an old school evangelist, said this, said this once, and it's a great quote. I even have it up on the screen. It says, he said, if you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to the greatest source of power known to human beings. Prayer is powerful, and the devil knows it. He knows it. He doesn't forget it, even though we forget it. He doesn't forget it, and that's one reason why he hates it. Then lastly, the third reason why I think the devil hates prayer is because prayer activates the armor of God. Prayer activates the armor of God. That's why Paul ends his entire passage in Ephesians chapter 6 on the, uh, on the armor of God with talking about prayer because Paul knows that all that armor, just it does not work without prayer. The devil knows that uh, too. In other words, you can put on the helmet of salvation, 
You can be saved, but the devil can still attack you if you're not praying. He can still do serious damage and have serious influence uh, in your life if you don't have a healthy prayer life. Uh, you can have the shield of faith. You can have faith in Jesus, but uh, the, the, the shield of faith is supposed to be moved around to block the fiery arrows. And if you're not praying, I don't think you can move your, you move your shield around. You can have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, but y'all, how do we sharpen our sword? We sharpen our sword with prayer. If you're not praying when you're reading the Bible, man, are you missing out? You get to talk to the author of the book while you, while you read it, and he gets to sharpen that sword for you. And I think a lot of us are walking around with dull swords because we can read the Bible, but we're, we're struggling with praying. Prayer activates the armor of God, and I think, those are the, I think those are the three main reasons why the devil hates prayer. It keeps our relationship with God fresh and active. It is power beyond our understanding because we're talking to a God with power beyond our understanding because it activates the armor of God. So, my goal up into this point um, has been to help us understand the importance of prayer because sometimes I need to be reminded of the importance of prayer. But now I want to go back to our verse, Ephesians 6, 18. I want to really dissect it because our verse today from Ephesians is going to give us some practical tips, some practical instructions uh, on how to pray. And I think if you take these instructions, these tips to heart, I think it'll, your prayer life will radically change. And as a result, your life will radically change. As a result, your relationship with God will radically change. If you do these things, and this verse is going to really help us grow in our prayer life, um, and it's going to help us defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. Let's pull it back up. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So all throughout this passage from Ephesians, we've been uh, in for the series. Paul has been essentially teaching us how to be spiritual warriors, you know, how to be spiritual warriors and, and, and how, to, how to use our spiritual armor as spiritual warriors. But now he's going to teach us how spiritual warriors pray so that the armor will be useful. First of all, Paul says, spiritual warriors pray in the spirit. Spiritual warriors pray in the spirit. Ephesians 6, 18, the first part, what do he say? Pray in the spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? That's a, that's a really big question. I think there's a lot of things it can mean, but I've kind of narrowed it down to three for the sake of time. First of all, I believe that to pray in the Spirit means to pray with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, y'all, if you believe that God came down to this earth died for your sins, rose again to life, defeated death and hell in the grave for you, and that he put his Holy Spirit inside of you, if you believe that, if you have faith in that, life-changing faith in that, then you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And because of that Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have unlimited, bold access to the creator of the universe. You can approach the breather of stars with boldness. In other words, you can talk to God like a friend. You can talk to the one who spoke you, why Scooty, into existence like a father. Ephesians 3.12, this is a, a verse from earlier on in Ephesians that Paul wrote, but I love this. Uh, so he said, because of Christ and our faith in him, faith in Christ, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Despite the fact that you're a sinner, despite the fact that God is the breather of stars, you can still approach him boldly thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit living in you that Jesus bought for you with his blood on the cross. How can I, this, this wretched human being, you don't know what I've done, you don't know what I just did last night, how can I approach God? That's the power of the Spirit, y'all. It's the power of the Spirit. It's way more powerful than your sin. It gives you permission to be bold enough to approach the one true God, even as a broken mess. 
And by the way, this also means, I just felt like this was a, a good side note that I need to mention. This also means that you can be bold enough to approach God in prayer as yourself. Uh, you don't have to change your personality when, when you pray. For example, I know guys who only pray to God in like King James Old English. And that's, that's cool, okay? If that's you, that's totally cool. You can do that, okay? You have to t- I'm not saying that's wrong. But the problem is when people are around you, they may start thinking that they have to pray that way and that it's necessary, but it's not. Like I'll be at lunch with, uh, I've been at lunch with guys like this, and, and they'll say prayers like, you know, we thank you, Lord, for this bounty that thou hast bestoweth. Uh, on us this day, and I pray in, in thy name, amen. But as soon as they say amen, they're like, hey, can you pass that fried chicken, honey? Hey, pour me some more sweet tea. Hey, did you catch that football game last night? Did you see that interception? That was awesome, you know, and, and, I, and that's fine. But I wonder if God's like, you know, what? Where, where did the accent go? Where did the old English go? I wonder if God's like, Jesus died so that you can have bold access to me. And I want a real authentic relationship with you so you can be yourself. We can approach God as ourselves. We want to have reverence, of course, but we can talk to God as ourselves, like our Father. That's the power of what Jesus did for us. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the power of the Spirit that he put in us when we put our faith in Jesus. It gives us that kind of bold access to God. So, And, and also, when some people pray... Uh, let me say this too. When some people pray, they get super emotional, you know, like they want to hold hands and cry and sing kumbaya, whatever. And if that's you and that's your personality, that hey, go for it. That's fine. But listen, if that's not you and you're not an emotional person, that's okay. You don't have to pray like that. Don't be intimidated by really emotional people who pray really emotional prayers. You don't have to be super emotional to pray. I'm definitely not because uh, I'm not a super emotional guy. Uh, sometimes our prayers get emotional and stuff, but definitely not, not all the time. We don't need to feel anything. Make that clear. We don't need to feel anything when we pray, right? We don't need to make prayer emotional. We just need to pray. We just need to pray. And we can have the boldness to to not only approach God, but we can have the boldness to approach God as ourselves, the way he made us, thanks to the Holy Spirit that's living in us. Pray in the Spirit means to pray with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. What else does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Another thing I think it means is pray in the Spirit means to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. To pray in the Spirit means to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will literally help you pray because life can be hard sometimes. Like, I don't know about y'all, but life can be hard sometimes for me. And sometimes, oh, man, I'm just too beat up. I'm just too broken down, too exhausted, too upset, too stressed or whatever to even think of the words to pray. But y'all, <clears throat> here's what I've learned. All God wants is for us to just show up in prayer, to just make ourselves available to him. And, and this is just something that I personally learned about to be true about prayer. If you take the time to just show up in prayer, if you just say his name, you know, God, I believe the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll do the rest. I believe he will help you know what to say. He'll help you know what to pray if you just make yourself available. Lastly, to pray in the Spirit, I think, means to pray with the will of the Spirit. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. So, But this is a big point because in our American consumer culture that we live in, we, we've made prayer all about ourselves, what we can get and what we want. Instead, prayer should be about what God wants, y'all. Um, now, prayer does get us what we want sometimes. Like I said, I've seen God answer prayers in miraculous ways. I have. Sometimes God says yes to prayers, but sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says, not right now. Be patient. It's all based on his perfect will. And I think we should thank God that he doesn't give us everything we ask for and say yes to everything that we ask for. Because if he did, our lives would be destroyed if we got everything we wanted. Because our wills, our desires, what we want, as, as innocent and pure and right and justified as they seem, are flawed because we're flawed human beings. But God's will and God's desires and what he wants is perfect because he's perfect. So God does what he wants to do. He's not our genie. He's not our 
pet. Now, I believe that we should keep on praying for whatever it is we need prayer for until God says yes to that prayer or until he says stop praying for that. But the primary function of prayer is not to get what, what we want but to adjust what we want to what God wants, to adjust our will to the will of God. And the spirit of God that's living in us is supposed to help us do that. Listen to Romans 8, 26. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. We don't know the will of God, in other words. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Holy Spirit, help me adjust what I want to what you want. Help me adjust what I want to what God wants. Help me adjust my will to your will, my desires to your desires. Let your desires be done. Jesus prayed a prayer like this before he was crucified, right? Uh, What did he say? He said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Here's what I want, God. Here's what I want. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Because your will is what's best. Jesus, I think, is modeling for us in this moment how we should pray. Here's what I want. Here's what I want, God. Let your will be done because I know what I want is flawed, but what you want is perfect. Because I know what, what, what you want is always best, even if I don't understand it, even if I don't like it. So Paul says, if you want your prayers to be powerful uh, and effective against the enemy, pray in the Spirit. Spiritual warriors pray in the Spirit, which means when we pray, we pray with the boldness of the Spirit, the help of the Spirit, and with the will of the Spirit. And then he says, spiritual warriors are always praying. Spiritual warriors are always praying. Um, Pull that verse up for me, guys, one more time. Pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Spiritual warriors are always praying. I've really tried to apply this to my life personally. It's been a game changer for me. It's been a life changer for me. Uh, in other words, I have an ongoing, never-ending conversation with God in my head at, at all times. And let me tell you how this plays out in my day-to-day life. You know, someone who really drives me nuts walks into my office, and I'm like, God, Please give me the stream not to slap this person today. You know, please give me the stream not to blow up on them. Parents, y'all know this prayer. Please give me the stream not to murder my kids today, right? Or, or if I'm in a situation where someone is confiding in me or asking me for advice and trying to get, you know, seeking comfort from my words, I'm like, man, God, I got nothing. So God, please speak through me. Give me the right words to say to this, this person right now. I'm just sitting around, you know, watching my kids play, you know, hanging out with my wife who I've been married to for almost nine years now. I'm sitting on my front porch, you know, maybe looking out at all God has blessed me with. I'm just like, thank you, God. Thank you for all you blessed me with. Thank you for your blessings. Please forgive me when I get discontent, when I become a spoiled brat. At night when I wake up and I can't sleep, God, please help me get some sleep. Please help me rest. When I'm scared, when I'm stressed, when I'm worrying, God, please fill me with your peace. You're the God of peace. Please give me peace right now. When a random person pops in my head, God, let me just pray for this person real quick. Spiritual warriors are always praying. They're always praying. And don't hear this the wrong way. Don't hear this as you better always be praying. Hear this as, man, you get to always be praying, you know? The God of the universe, the breather of UI Scooty, the most popular person in, the, in existence is on standby for you 24-7. You know, it's like back when Walmart was open 24 hours. Y'all remember those good old days? Now, I would never be caught dead in a Walmart after midnight, right? Because, man, that's when the real crazies come out, especially in Crossfield. But, but knowing it was open, knowing it was open, there's something comforting about that. Knowing I could go to Walmart whenever I wanted. And then there's something comforting about knowing that the God of the universe is open 24, 7, 7 days a week to you. I have an ongoing conversation with God, and it's been really good for me, and I'd encourage you to to do the same because that's what spiritual warriors do. 
Now, I have a schedules prayer time, too. Let me just say that. Uh, I have to be disciplined in that to get into a practice. Like, uh, it's one thing I've tried to do, especially the last couple years, has been, you know, to uh, make sure I pray before I even unlock my phone to see what time it is, you know, in the morning. Uh, I try to make sure I always pray at night before I pass out. Those are just two scheduled times. But don't leave it at that. You know, don't leave it at that. Have an ongoing uh, conversation with God because that's what spiritual warriors do. And then lastly, Paul gives us one more tip on how spiritual warriors pray. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and every occasion. Then he says, says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In other words, what I think Paul is saying is spiritual warriors pray for other spiritual warriors. Um, I was watching this video of this Marine. Uh, the, he, he's, one, he's one of the kind of top guys who, who recruits new Marines. And he was just talking about, he was kind of some leadership talk. And he was just talking about what um, the Marines look for in upcoming Marines. And it wasn't, I was surprised because the number one trait that he said that, that they look for in, in new Marines is not how strong or fast or anything like that that someone is. Uh, the number one trait they look for is willingness to help out their fellow soldier. Like that's, that's what makes a, a Marine a good Marine, he said. The guy was saying the number one trait they look for is willingness to have their fellow soldiers back because selfish people don't make good soldiers, he said. And I think Paul is kind of saying the same thing here. Uh, Selfish people don't make good spiritual warriors. Remember, Paul's talking about prayer in relation to spiritual warfare, how to fight against the enemy. So what he's saying is make sure that you're always praying for other believers too. Because other believers are in this battle with you. Other believers are being attacked too. It's not just you. Don't get so caught up on yourself. It's not just you in this battle. You have brothers and sisters in this battle too, y'all. And we, need, we, we all need each other's prayers. And listen, this is kind of tough, right? At least it's, it's tough for me. I don't know about y'all, but I can pray for myself easily. I can pray for my wife easily. I can pray for my kids easily. I can even pray for lost people that I know in my life personally easily. But to remember to pray for other believers, you know, to remember to pray for missionaries, to remember to pray for other pastors in this town, to, to pray for the guy in your small group at Rev Students, to pray for the, the woman at your table and. <clears throat> Rev ladies, to pray for the guy at, at Rev men that you, that you hang out with on Saturdays, that's harder to do. So if you're like me, you have to be intentional about this. You have to ask prayer requests from people, ask prayer requests from brothers and sisters, get a journal, write them down. I have a big page on my iPad that has a bunch of different prayer requests. That's what I have to do. Uh, be intentional and make sure that you're praying uh, for other believers because spiritual warriors pray in the spirit uh, and, um, and they are, are always praying and spiritual warriors pray for other spiritual warriors. And why do we pray? Because prayer is what keeps our relationship with God fresh and active, because prayer is extremely powerful, and because it, prayer activates the armor of God, which we use to defend ourselves against the enemy and his attack. And I could end it here. Maybe some of you are thinking, oh, please end it here. But I, I just want to say one last thing, one last thing before we leave today that I think is really important. Um, I, I broke my arm when I was in high school. I've broken a lot of bones in my life, but when I was in high school, I broke my arm. And uh, this particular time, I was playing, I was playing football, uh, and uh, I had the ball uh, in my hand, and I was running to the to the end zone, and I was fixing to score the winning touchdown for my team. And I'm just trucking through there, you know, dodging tackles left and right, pushing people out my way, stiff, you know. And uh, and out, out my peripheral, I see this guy who we call Big Rob, and Big Rob is just coming at me like a freight train. And I know I have two choices, you know, I can either I can I can either just slide down and avoid the tackle like a coward. Or I can, I can push through and let Big Rob hit me, but I'll still reach my arm over and I'll still get the touchdown. And so that's what I did. I reached out and Big Rob came and he crushed my arm, but I reached out. It got right over the line. I scored the winning touchdown for my team. Everybody's like, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. They put me up on their shoulders. It was awesome. 
That's what I told people when they asked me how I broke my arm. Here's how I really broke my arm. I was sitting on my bedroom floor in my underwear eating cereal and uh, <laughs> watching TV. And on commercial break, I ran to the bathroom, tried to run back into my room before the commercial ended, forgot I had a cereal bowl on the floor, tripped on my cereal bowl, ended up laying on the ground in my underwear, covered in Fruit Loops and tears. And uh, I'm trying to paint a picture for y'all, uh, maybe a little graphic picture, but I'm trying to paint a picture. Uh, the <laughs> there are certain cereal bowls that if we leave laying around in our life, they will trip up our prayers. And our prayers will be as useless and embarrassing and pathetic as I was laying on the ground covered in Fruit Loops. In other words, there are things that the Bible warns us about um, that will make our prayers useless. Uh, cereal bowl number one is, is pride. This is a big one, pride. Pride will trip up your prayers every time. There's a story that Jesus told once about two people who were praying side by side. A Pharisee uh, who was a really religious guy and, and a tax collector who was like the scum of the earth back then. Um, and so the story that Jesus told in Luke 18, 11 through 14. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Y'all see the pride there? But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, please be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And listen to what Jesus says. He said, I tell you, the sinner, the tax collector, not the religious Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. I don't really feel like being humbled by the one who can breathe out you, Wascuti. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here's the lesson. Get over yourself when you pray. You know, acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your brokenness before you pray. Repent of any sin that you have going on before you pray. Acknowledge your desperate need for a Savior before you pray. Humble yourself or else your prayers will be tripped up. Cereal bowl number two, and this is specifically for the men in here. Uh, treating your wife badly will trip up your, your prayers. I'll just read you what 1 Peter 3, 7 says. It says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be the weaker, uh, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And then it says this, treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, if you treat your wife wrong, God won't even listen to your prayers. Now, it doesn't give us examples on what it means to treat your wife wrong. We kind of have to use our discretion here. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you're going to fight. You're going you're gonna to argue. Of course, that's marriage, right? But if you're not coming to resolutions, you know, if you as a husband are not constantly trying to seek resolutions, if you're, not, if you're constantly being harsh with your wife, I think your prayers are going to be tripped up. I don't think God will hear them. And obviously, if you're abusive, you know, physically or verbally with your, your wife, God will not hear your prayers. He will not listen to you. If you don't treat her as your, as your one and only, you know, if you cheat on her, if you, uh, if you got a little flirty thing at the office going on, right, until you're pinning that crap, and still you, until you stop that junk, your prayers will be hindered. They will be tripped up. God will not even listen to you. And by the way, single girls, this is just a little piece of advice. Brandon's relationship advice time, take it or leave it, okay? But if you want a husband who is, who is heard by God, 
If you want a husband whose prayers are heard by God, and you do, by the way, then just listen to how he talks to his mom, you know? Listen to how, if he doesn't have a mom, listen to how he talks to the women in his life, because I guarantee that's how he's going to talk. Even though he's all sweet and nice now, I guarantee that's how he's going to talk to you later on. So when you start look, dating a guy, look at how he, how he talks to his mom and stuff, because you want a guy whose prayers get heard by God. So guys, be careful how you treat your wife. It greatly affects your, your prayers. Serial bowl number three is the last one I thought of. Unforgiveness will trip up your prayers. And this is a big one for me. It's the hardest one for me. But Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge against. Dang it. I don't want to forgive that person. I, I, I don't want to think well of that person. Forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. It comes back to that humility thing, y'all. We have to acknowledge that we're sinners too, just like everyone else. So if you've got a grudge in your heart towards someone, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, man, you better take care of that before you, before you open your mouth to pray. I know they really, really hurt you, okay? I know some of y'all have been really, really hurt in ways I can never even imagine. But if Jesus can forgive the people who are driving nails into his wrist, into his feet, and ripping his beard out and spitting on him and, and beating him to a pulp, if he can forgive them as they're doing that, then you can forgive who hurt you. And you better you better, okay, I know it's not easy, but you better because you don't want your prayers to be tripped up. You, you, you want to get these cereal bowls off the floor of your, of your life. And I just felt like that was really important to say before we end this morning because I don't want you guys to start running, so to speak, you know? I don't want you to leave here and say, I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to pray like a spiritual warrior, and, I'm gonna, and, 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 and not realize that you've got these different cereal bowls laying around that you're going to trip up over when you start running. Because your prayers will do nothing for you. Your prayers will do nothing against the enemies. If, enemy if, if you have these cereal bowls laying around. So take care of those first and foremost. So I know this was a lot of info in, in one day. But here's the bottom line of everything. The devil is real. Let's go ahead and wrap our, our head around that. The devil is real. And if you want to defend yourself against the devil and his attacks, you need to put on the armor of God that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians. But the armor of God uh, doesn't work without prayer. So pray. Pray even when you don't feel like it, pray. Pray even when you are tired, when you're exhausted, pray. Even when you're angry, pray. Even when you're stressed, pray. Make prayer a priority. Pray in the spirit. Pray always and pray for each other because prayer keeps our relationship with God fresh and active. Prayer is powerful and prayer activates the armor of God, which we use to defend ourselves against the enemies and his attacks. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you for Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. And, and, and if we put our faith in you, you give us eternity with you. You give us a purpose on this earth and, and, and you give us your Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to lead us, to speak through us, to convict us, to give us discernment. Thank you for that. Thank you for the, the, the Holy Spirit that you put in us that gives us bold access to talk to you despite our sin we can talk to you. Thank you so much for that. God, please, for the Jesus followers in here, don't let us waste that. Don't let us waste that privilege, that honor to pray. Father, help us to take what we have learned from this whole series and apply it to our lives. But most of all, God, help us to pray. Help us grow in our prayer life. Help us make prayer a priority so that we can defend ourselves against the enemy. Father, thank you for what you've done in Revolution Church this past year. Uh, what an awesome year it's been, and I just pray that you continue to blow our minds with what you have in store. 
in 2023 for us. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.